Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We are here with a turn of events where we help put a positive spin on the future of your business. I'm so glad you're joining us again. I'm Annette Nafe, the CEO and creative director of Nafe Productions. We are a strategic event planning company based in New York City. We specialize in corporate, social, nonprofit, and weddings. And uh, of course, we're doing a lot of virtual, but we are starting to do live. So I'm excited about that. We do have our first live event in March in Orlando. Check out my website. You'll be able to, or my Facebook, follow me on all my social media platforms. You'll be able to see that event. It's going to be really fantastic. So we're excited about that, but we are still doing virtual. So if you do want to, if you're not comfortable yet doing a live event, please contact us. We're happy to talk to you about the virtual and hybrid. We're doing some hybrid stuff as well, which is where we have a little bit of a live element, but most of it is a virtual platform. So it's usually just the team and maybe an MC, or if we do a lot of fundraisers too. Reach out. We'd love to talk to you. I'm super excited to announce that I just opened the website for our free workshop. It's called the Event Planning Blueprint Workshop, and we're going to be talking about some amazing things. How to get clients, how to leverage your network, what do you do when you get the client. We're going to talk about how to plan events in 2021 because it is a different place to do that right now. And it's just, it's going to be real. I'm going to be giving all kinds of stuff. I'm probably going to be teaching a lot more than I should, but I want to give a lot of value to this. So really it's gonna be so much fun and I would love to have you there so I'm not talking to myself, but so the event planning blueprint.com. I keep wanting to say workshop, but it's the event planning blueprint.com. Get on the website, take check it out and then uh, come in and it's free. It'll be a lot, you'll learn a lot of stuff. This is for event planners who want to start an event planning business or are struggling with their current business and they're just not sure what to do. So I'm gonna give you a lot of great tips that have helped me get clients and we are super busy right now. So it's been really good. So you just gotta get out there. So I'm gonna give you lots of information. Okay, and I do have a Facebook group, which is Event Planner Society. So if you wanna join, again, it's just for event planners, Event Planner Society, come on over to there to that group where there's a lot of engagement, lots of things. We're really helping each other out there and it's really fun. And I'm teaching a lot of stuff there as well. Okay, so my next guest I'm super excited about is Jennifer Takagi. She is the founder of Takagi Consulting. She is a certified, is certified as a success principles trainer, professional behavior analyst, change style indicator facilitator, coaching specialist, as well as a four-time Amazon Kindle best-selling author, which is super impressive. I have not written a book yet. I'm sure that's probably in the works and it's gonna be coming. So Jennifer's traveled the country training teams to work more effectively together. And today we're gonna to talk about your new team member may not have been a bad choice. So we're gonna talk about that. Jennifer, I'm so excited, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And thanks for asking me. Of course. I, I don't like to do this alone. So I like to have confidence <laughs> when I'm doing this. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about yourself? I know that is a, an impressive list of things that you have, all your certifications. I could barely get it out. But, uh, <laughs> which uh, so Tell us a little bit more about you, how you got started, where you're from, and all that good stuff. I'm in the great state of Oklahoma in the middle of the country. So things happen East Coast, West Coast, takes a little while to get here. Yeah. Wonderful place to live. I've lived ever other places. I've traveled the country a lot. And so I've seen other places. This is home. So people will say, why don't you move here? And I'm like, 
we have airplanes. I have a car. I can get wherever I need to go. Yeah. But I always loved training. I always loved speaking. When I was a little kid, when you'd line up all your little stuffed animals, I was always the teacher. And then when other friends were over, I pushed them out of the way. I was the teacher too. Yeah. And I had an opportunity. I didn't see it that way initially, but I had an opportunity to train the country on a new way of doing business, a new way to look at things and have those soft skills that managers often don't have. It's all black and white. And to be a leader, you need more of the soft skills. Right. So after traveling the country for a year, I think I was out of town about 48 out of 56 weeks. Wow. On and off planes every week. And I got home just in time to find out I had set us up for a reorganization and I could either retire or relocate or resign depending on your years of service. And we lovingly called those the R's, which are you going to pick? <laughs> and it did not take me very long to decide I was out of there and I wanted to do this full time. I just love it. I love the insights people get. I love sharing one thing they can do differently or better tomorrow. And it just thrills me to death. So I think I've been doing this about six and a half years now. And I added it up for somebody asked me something. And I think I've spoken to over 10,000 people now in my time. So very exciting. I love it. Love yeah. It. I feel like I've spoken to 10,000 people just on Zoom in the last year. <laughs> <laughs> you probably have. I probably have. like it. I know. I know. That's exciting. That's really awesome. Okay, so let's get into it. So what are some things to think about when we're hiring new team members? I'm in the process, and I'm so lucky that I'm launching this new program, and I'm super excited about that, but I'm in the process of hiring a lot of people, and it's nerve-wracking because you want to you're not sure about if they're going to be a good fit and all of that. So what are some tips about that? I think the first thing is you as the owner, as the leader, as the head of your organization, and that organization can be large, like you own it yourself, you're an entrepreneur, or it can be you own it as in you're responsible for X number of people in your organization. Mm -hmm. And you need to decide what culture you want what values you hold dearly and make that part of your interview conversation. I am not an HR expert at all. I've never been in HR, but I'll say in the interview process, what I was always part of was every candidate had to be asked the same questions so that it was fair. So however you build it out, it has to be fair and equitable to all the candidates, whomever you're talking to. But you need to make sure that you share what your culture is, what your goals are. One simple example is there was a young woman I talked to who was very much into systems. She wanted systems. She wanted processes. She wanted to know exactly what she was going to do every day mm -hmm. because that's how her mind worked. That's what she wanted. She went to work for a company that was extremely fluid, extremely creative, and their deadlines could change on a dime. What they wanted could change in a minute. It was not a fit for her. That would right? be crazy. 
Yeah. <laughs> As an event producer, I got to have systems. Yes. That's a really good question is to make sure that they're, they follow the culture of how, of your business and how, what, you know, if I, if no, if they can't do systems, that's not going to work. And the question is, if you're the creative and there are a lot of creative people who can do systems, embrace systems, but there are also a lot of creatives who are like, I'm out on that. I want somebody else to handle it. You need to make sure they know if they're the systems type person. Right. I'm not. And you need to know that and embrace that about me and know that I, I want and expect you to be that person because we need the people that their skill set is different than our own. Because if I can't do it, I want to hire someone who can. Right. Or if I can do it, but I don't like it, I want to hire someone who can. So you don't want someone who's a clone of you, but it's that basic understanding. Right. Uh, I worked with a gentleman one time and I'm pretty safe at saying he did not believe in the mission of our organization. Mm. And I can't imagine how hard that was for him for seven or eight years that he was there to come to work every day when he didn't believe in it. Right. So what is your mission? What are your values? What is the culture? If you're very fluid on your culture, like it's not you check in and out for lunchtime, but that's what somebody else wants. Mm, that may not be a good fit. So you, the first thing I would have to say is you need to know you and what you want your organization to look like. Yeah. That's for sure. I, for an example, because I you know I have a lot of planners out there who follow and uh, in the a lot of people in the event industry. But when I first started hiring people, I just thought like I hired a girl and she was going to do the logistics and help me with on site. She was going to do all of that. And then I realized that not everybody's good at all of those tasks. I am. I can do all of them, but not everybody is. So that's one of the big things I ask. What do you love to do? Do you love on-site? Do you love logistics? Do you love all of it? And then it really helps me put them in the right, you know, position for, to, and they, I want them to love what they're doing because if they hate what they're doing, they're not going to stay. So that's, you know, that's super important. And uh, I think it's important. And I learned on, and this is just a little tip for all the event people out there who are running their business. I try not to, because I had one person and she was helping with all the events and that's just, it's too much. So you, I, I rather hire individual people for one event. If they're really senior, then they can handle one or two more because it takes a year. It's a lot of work. So I like to put one person on an event and maybe two depends on who they are, but then it, it they're not overwhelmed. We would have five events going at the same time and it's too much for one person. So I think just looking at those strengths and being a part of the culture, it's really the, them really loving your business and what you do is super important because they're going to be a cheerleader for you. Absolutely. And along with that is we sometimes forget that people say they know how to do something, yeah, but they may not know how to do it the way you want it done. And the more time you spend up front, making sure they understand exactly what to do, the less time you spend trying to fix it. And I've used the example before in, in trainings that just because somebody has been in an industry for years mm -hmm. doesn't mean they know how to do it right, right or the way you want it done. So take the time 
to show them what you want done, explain what you want done, and let them demonstrate back to you that they understand. Because sometimes a minimal misunderstanding can appear to be a, a bad hire when right. it's a misunderstanding. Right. Especially now with so much changing in 20, from 2020 to 2021 and all of that, it's really good to communicate that stuff and make sure that if there are any changes that everybody knows about them and this is what we're going to do. And how are we going to share that message? What is the best way? Are we going to do an email? Are we going to do a live training? That is my question, actually, is how do clients, employees, and the public at large know what your company culture is? So if you can give some, give some tips on that. So I am going to use Chick-fil-A as an example. Yeah. I, I don't like that they're not open on Sundays, but I, I, respect, I respect that they are. I, haven't, I think I've had it once, but... It's just like every time I think, oh, I'm going to try that chicken sandwich, it's closed. But I yeah. that they're not open on Sundays, but go ahead. Okay, so that's their culture. Yeah. That is their culture. If you're driving down the highway and you have the large signs that say what's coming up, the next exit, it says Chick-fil-A and underneath it says closed Sundays. I know. Right, like they want to make sure everybody knows that is their company culture because what is their number one value? Family yeah. first. Right. Family first. If you're working seven days a week, you're not spending time with your family. Right. So that's one example of their culture. The other example of their culture is how well they get people in and out of those lines. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> they get them in, they get them out. It's hello, how are you? How may I help you? Nobody tries to say Takagi, it's hilarious at the grocery store. Thank you, Mrs. Jones. Thank you, Mr. You know, uh, Johnson. And then it's, thank you, Jennifer. So I think that, that just always cracks me up. What cracks me up is that people wait in those lines for that food. So. <laughs> Chick-fil-A is always, Miss Jennifer, can I get you anything else? Their lines look ridiculous. I know. But they're not. They go so quickly. My husband was, the other night we were talking about dinner and I said, I have this and this and some chicken nuggets would be great. I'm going to order it online. You go pick it up. He texted me and he said, oh my gosh, there are 80 people in this line. I said, just suck it up, buttercup. It's going to be fine. <laughs> 10 minutes later, he texted me back. I'm on my way home. Wow, because their culture is customer service. Yeah great food, family, like we all know what their culture is and right. you've got it. There was a pizza place here, CeCe's Pizza. You would walk in the door and they would start screaming from the back. Welcome to CeCe's, welcome to CeCe's. So you let people know what your culture is by demonstrating it every single day. Yeah, and speaking speaking it, right? And demonstrating it and letting them know, communicating. Yes. Yeah. And, and there's never a fail. I had a problem with some sunglasses. They literally, I could not keep them adjusted. They slid off my face and into the lake. Uh. So I emailed them and said, Hey, I paid over $200 for these. I was told that there's some special, completely natural materials, but they don't stay fit. Yeah. And I just want you to know, you need to make an adjustment to your product I get an email back. I'm sorry. Warranty doesn't cover falling off your face. Oh my God. I emailed back and said, I did not ask for a discount. I did not ask for free ones. I did not ask for a replacement. I want you to know your product is defective. And right. I want you to know that. I got a nice email back and I'm sure that person got slapped on the hands. That's not how you respond to a customer. 
And I bet that company is going to change their culture and their customer service. What do you want it to be? And you need to make sure everybody knows it. I had another problem with another product. I emailed the company. I got the nicest response back. Your feedback is valuable. We'll turn this over to our research and development team. That's all I asked for. They have a better, in my opinion, culture because customer service really is number one for them. Okay, great. Yeah, it, it is customer service is everything. I'm very big on that. Very big. We, I have my team answer. You have to answer every email, even if it's just thank you. My pleasure. Whatever that is. I, I make sure that we are very top notch with our customer service. So I think that's important. Okay, so let's talk about team building activities. So from your perspective, how can retreats, and of course I do a lot of events for team building. So I can, we can definitely check this out, but um, how can retreats or team building activities improve their bottom line? So there are a couple things, but the, there was a course I was taking through work. It was a, a training program and the leader of it was a PhD in psychology and he said, and it sticks to me to this day, if we can find one thing in common, we can go to lunch. So team building activity, if you're doing some sort of team building activity and your employees can understand or know something more about their colleagues, it's not that you want them to go to lunch, but when they need to work on a project together, it's more seamless. Right. If I understand this is your background, this is where you come from, this is what you bring to the party, I can embrace that. And part of the DISC behavioral profiles that I do embrace and do is understanding diff different people's behaviors. And then you can converse with that. You can work with it. If I know that if I tell you we're 80% complete on a project, and you are a hardcore numbers person, yeah. and you happen to know that we're at 78%, you can lose complete credibility or complete trust in me, and I've lost all cre credibility because I said 80%, not 78. <laughs> but we, we understand that about each other, yeah. then it's not gonna be a problem because I'm never gonna say 80%, I'm gonna make sure it's 78.27, right? Because that's how that's your deal. So team building is you get to know other people in a different environment. So when you come to work together, you appreciate them more. You can understand why they are working at your organization or with these people and why it's important to them. So I, I think that really is good to get outside of the box of the office and do something a little bit fun and get to know the people around you. And right now we can't get out of the office. So we have done some team building with virtual. So it's a little different. It's a little more challenging, but you can still do it and create something really fun. And how do leaders, how can leaders promote more employee engagement? So I know that the team building, but do you have any other tips on that? So employee engagement, I had a, a boss one time come in and say, They've now put in my performance review, I have to make people happy. How am I going to make people happy? And what I didn't know then that I know now is it wasn't making people happier with their situation. It's engaging them. So employee engagement can look like a conversation. 
how do you think this would work more effectively? Do you have any ideas? And then go one step further. This is an earth shaker. Consider their idea. Yeah. We ask for ideas and then we start with the no's. No, we can't do that. No, we can't do it because of this. No, we don't have money. We don't have this. No. If you're going to ask for someone's input, do them the courtesy of actually considering it. Ask them, how would that work? How would we implement that? Have you thought it through more fully? Help me get on board. So that kind of engagement is so important. And part of it also is recognizing them. The number one pe reason people leave jobs is they feel undervalued. Mm -hmm. It's not the paycheck. Yeah. People stay at jobs where they're underpaid for their talents all the time because they're valued. They love it. They're part of a dynamic team. Yeah. But you don't give someone credit for the work that they do and who they are as a person, what they bring to the table. They're going to be out of there. Yeah, I did. I left corporate 11 years now and I could not, I made a very good money. I had my own driver. I had my own office. I like, I had a really cushy, great job, but I was bored out of my mind. And I started my, my, my company just before, right during that crash of 2008, nine area. And I, but I could not advance in the company and the people in the company were not Everyone around me were the worst employees ever. And I was like such a great employee and I could not advance. I couldn't get, for whatever reason, it was a little bit of a boys club. So not that I love my boys. It was hard for me to advance and all the people around me advanced who were men. I usually don't go in that area, but that's true. So one thing I like to do with my staff is, and I use all, I work with all contractors, so I don't have employees, but I work with all contractors, but they, a lot of them have been with me for a very long time. So they feel like, you know, they're a part of, they're very much involved in the business and support me, which is amazing. But even when I get new people in and I just hired a, a, real, a big, a bigger team for something else I'm doing in my business. And I, even with my systems that I have, I say to them, if this doesn't work for you, let me know because you may find it another way to do that's much easier or for them, it works for them. So I want to hear about it. So I'm never not open to their suggestions. And even when we're doing events, I have to have a brainstorming meeting with all of my team because I can't think of everything. And I have ideas over the last 30 years. <laughs> my brain's tired. So I like to, I like the input because then it's, you get people's ideas and then something, another idea, idea would be triggered from that. So I think that it's important to do that. And I'm a bit at a big advocate for that is, is getting the team involved and being open to changing the way things are going. And a lot of corporations don't do that. Well, a lot of corporations don't, and a lot of us creative types, we get a little bit married yeah. to our idea and our vision, right. and separating from that can be really hard, but you do, and contractors are employees. They're just employees of a different type, yeah. and we have to engage them almost more because guess what? They've got other people they're working for, too, and if you're not... If you're not it for them, they've got a whole lot of other choices. So if you find someone who is really a good fit, they need to know it. They need to feel it, yeah. that you appreciate what they do. One of the easiest things is what I call like a bonus thank you. It's not, 
they hand you a report or email you a report actually and you say thank you or thanks it's thank you for providing this report every single month in a timely manner and it's always correct it's always accurate and it's one less thing i have to worry about yeah so that is so much more powerful than thanks that's your job <laughs> which we get a lot yeah, it yeah. just means more do you have to do that every time they hand you something no yeah but remember every now and then that they're working really hard to help you meet those deadlines yeah. and fulfill your vision i have a lot of deadlines right now and I find myself in the last couple of weeks saying, oh, my God, I love you guys. Oh, my God, I love you guys. <laughs> like, thank you so much because I can't remember. I can't do it by myself. So I have a lot of people telling me, OK, we need this by Friday or we need this by that. And I'm just like every day, I'm like, you guys are amazing. And so <laughs> I am. I'm so blessed to have an amazing team right now. And I'm just they're just so great. And they keep me going. And Christy's one of them. So I, I just it's so you I am even when I'm on an event. And the whole team, there's a hundred vendors and we're putting something together. I'm just like, you guys, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Down to the person who's cleaning the bathroom. Like I love them all because I, it all has to get done. And I think they're all important. So I think that's really important. You have to have everybody on a team. Yeah. You, you can't have all leaders and no followers. Right. And you can't have all visionary people without somebody fulfilling that vision and making it come to fruition so it takes everyone and that whole appreciation for everyone from the bottom all the way to the top is so critical so critical so when did you know you were a leader well, some people become leaders because they're thrust into a position and others of us i'm sure you were the same way like it happened in the sandbox yeah, you know, we're lining everybody up and telling everybody what we what to do. One of my sisters said I was born a hundred, and it just was me. Yeah, and I I want to emphasize one major component of all of this is we can be leaders without a title, and if you are the boss person whether you own your own company and you're the head of it or you're head of a division or a section or a group of people, you need the leaders on your team to help influence the other people on your team. Mm -hmm. So when someone is an emerging leader and they're showing leadership qualities, embrace that, engage them and try to help them keep on. But I, I think I was always... I was always given leadership responsibilities in school activities mm -hmm. and I became a manager, officially a manager in corporate America when I was 23, mm -hmm. 23 or 24, which shortly after college, which is pretty young <laughs> to have that type of position. And you just are. And people who say, I'm not a leader. I just want to say you are. And you are in many ways and you just need to build up your confidence in the things that you do well and get a little more training on the things that you want to build up a little more. Right, right. When I first learned, I was the same age. I was like 23, somewhere around there, 25, something like that. I worked for Sebastian, the hair product company. I think I was the only one in the company who never let them touch my hair. But <laughs> back in the like late 80s, somewhere around there, and they were 
cutting them short and coloring them crazy colors and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. But I worked for, there was two brothers who owned the company and I worked for one of the brothers and I ran the, 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 the show department. So that we did, we traveled all over the world and did a lot of events for the hair industry, which was really awesome. So we would do multiple day events and all over the world, it was a great job. But I worked in, I lived in Los Angeles at the time and I wanted to get into the film industry and do production work that way. So after about five years, it was the same event over and over. And I wanted to do different things in the film industry, living in LA, that's the place to be. Yeah. But uh, that's when I learned because they threw me in as managing seven people. And I was 23, four years old. And I thought, gosh, I'm pretty good at this. Like I can, and I was just so excited that I could make money doing events. Cause I was just, at that point, I was just having fun planning events for my friends. And I was always the one in school that was the one that would put all the events together and stuff like that. So I guess I was born that way, but being an entrepreneur for the last 11 years, I have definitely gotten really much stronger as a leader. Sometimes I have to pull myself back because I'm so used to running things and the, the events and my business. And so I like to let, I can, I'm okay with delegating. I love to delegate. I <laughs> think one of my favorite words is to delegate and let them, you know, do their thing because I can't do everything. So what them, yeah, were you going to say something? I was going to say as, you know, a leader and we can lead really well, but sometimes we're not as great at managing because you're managing the tasks and leading the people. And I just love that, you know, description of the two, but if you're used to managing the task, but you're not much of a leader, you need to build your leadership skills. Mm -hmm. But if you're a natural born leader, but you're not really used to overseeing all the tasks that come along with your new venture, right? then those are the skills you need to build up. We're usually a little stronger in one than the other. And we just have to own that, know it and build them up. Yeah, that's for sure. So we do have a question from Marty from New Jersey. Is there a push by businesses to go an extra step now to make all performing employees feel uplifted either by words or co compensation given the pandemic effect on their lives? Hello, Marty from New Jersey. And I think it has always been necessary, but I do think it's even more necessary now. People are feeling very isolated at home. And when everything first shut down last spring, I was contacted by several managers saying, what am I supposed to do? I'm at home. My people are at home. What do we do? And so it was like, okay, how make a plan. How are you going to engage with them daily? Is it going to be a phone call? Is it going to be Zoom? Is it going to be text? Is it going to be email? But they need to know you're still there. And they need to know that they're still there. Right. So I think that engagement is more important now than ever with people working at home. I think when people start coming back into the offices in Oklahoma, we never officially shut down everything, in my opinion. I mean, they might have, and I missed that news broadcast, but it didn't seem that way. Yeah. But I started getting calls from people asking how are we going to bring people back into the workplace? Because some people are more nervous than others. Some people have pre-existing conditions that make it more of a struggle. What about the kids? Because are we going to be able to get them? So there become all kinds of strategic struggles that are completely individual to that person, that employee. And we have to be 
respectful of that. And you just have to put on your big girl panties or your big boy shorts every single morning and know yeah. it's going to fall on you. Yeah. And so, yeah, I do think it is more important now more than ever because we're I'm sitting in this office all by myself. I don't even know if anybody's out there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing this all alone. <laughs> yeah, so that leads my next question is what is a difficult, what it, sorry, was it a difficult transition to train virtually versus in person? So I know that you... You're a speaker and a trainer, and so I want to talk a lot about that. But what has it? What's the diff, Has it been difficult? How are you working with that? I think for some trainers, it has been a really difficult transition. I have a podcast, and so I'm used to sitting here talking to myself. <laughs> so, I'm kind of good at that, yeah. and I have been a trainer with the state of Oklahoma. I think this is either my. I think this is my fifth year, actually, and we would be in person and have up to 36 people in a classroom. And the question was, oh my gosh, we still are required to train. How are we going to do that? And my first response was, I have a computer and a Yeti mic. Like, I'm good to go. You pick a platform, we'll make it happen. And they, because of the bandwidth, because of people's internet trying to connect in, we don't do camera at all. I'm not on camera. They're not on camera. Mm -hmm. I have a PowerPoint and a mic and the chat. Yeah. And so if you need to do a training with people and they can't see you, it's your voice. And that's all possibly a PowerPoint. Right. I would say, number one, you have to be completely upbeat and committed to whatever you're delivering. Because when all they have is your voice, it's even more important that it come across. Right. And so I think the people who were able to embrace that and the chat, oh my gosh, I am consistently stopping and saying, uh, okay, here's a question, whatever the training is, put your answer in the chat. And I'm going to sit here and be quiet and let you put it in the chat, which of course I can't be quiet. I can't shut up. So I'm just quiet for a few seconds, but then they put in the chat, but then I call them all out. Just like you're doing today. I call them all out in the chat, interact with them via the chat because that's what we have. And I think the people who have been able to embrace that have done well and been able to reach a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've, done a lot of fundraisers with virtually and they've made a lot of money and they're, they were worried. Everybody was worried. We've done a lot of virtual aspects to events when we do a live event and then we have a live stream and we virtual we live stream out the event, some of the event to people. So we've been doing that for many years, but to do a full on virtual event is a whole nother ballgame. And so people are worried, but there's a lot of great things, especially now it's been a year. And so there's a lot of great things that you can do so much fun engagement. And really, you won't, I think people have gotten used to being virtual. And they won't be they won't think that they're virtual. So I, I personally, as long as you can get them to not play with their phones, keep, keep them engaged is the important piece. Then they're not going to be looking in their emails and looking in their, you know, their text messages and all of that stuff keep them engaged. Absolutely. And I don't even know how I got invited to this event in December. It was just before Christmas and it was their Christmas party and they normally would have all been together, but they weren't. So they set it up. So we would all go in breakout rooms yeah. and we would have five minutes to talk to the other people. And they actually gave us a question 
to get it going because there's nothing worse than to throw people in a breakout room. Nobody's in charge. Nobody knows what to talk about. Give people a question and people will step up, step in. So there are a lot of ways you can do it to make sure that people feel like they're part of it. And it depends on what platform, of course, what options you have. But yeah, um, it can be good. It doesn't have to be bad. But if you're the one leading it and you walk in like your dog just died, everybody's going to feel that. They're going to feel it. You have to sit up and protect and have the smile on your face. And you have to truly lead that meeting. Exactly. Exactly. I know. There's many... there's been a few times where I was sick. A few, I actually got the COVID. So the COVID, this was like a month and a half ago or so. And it was, I was in the thick of it and I had to do one of these shows and you just, I just pushed through it and I did it. I smiled and no hair and makeup is a blessing. And so you you can look like you're fine on the outside, but so you just have to plug through it. That's with anything. But yes, if you're hosting an event, you got to have the energy. You got to bring the excitement because it brings it through. I'm a, a, even as a planner, I have to have, when I coach my, my planners, you got to be excited because that your the clients are going to want that. And if you're just, Oh yeah, we do this and we do that. No one's going to want to hire that. Yeah. It's definitely important to keep the enthusiasm up, the enthusiasm up. So what is your favorite part about speaking and training and things like that? I think for me, the most awesome, amazing thing is to have someone say, you gave me an idea, I did it, and my life is better. And I, there's a gentleman that's in my Facebook group. I've never met him. We've never actually spoken. We've just, like, I post things and occasionally he'll comment, not even very often. And last week he sent me a a message on Facebook Messenger and he said, I've been following you for months. I listen to your podcast all the time. And I just want to say, I'm a better manager because of you. And I just got promoted again. That's amazing. I can't ask for anything more. I couldn't even make that up. That wasn't even on my vision board for the year. I need to shout that to the mountaintops. That's what you need to do. Yeah, I was like, yay! Because, and it's not about me. It's about the fact that he was able to find value that he could incorporate and it made his life better. So, yeah, yeah, it's super exciting. It's keep it simple for them. definitely can be overwhelming a lot, lot putting all this stuff in place so I think that's great so what so, you know there's a lot of it's this is a lot it's a lot of work running your business being a leader being a manager all of that saying that what is the difference between a manager and a leader how do you what's the difference between that? well yeah our society was set up is there the, a difference huh? right? I said, is there a difference? Yeah, there is a difference. And our society was set up with the um, industrial revolution where we had assembly lines. And on an assembly line, I can't be like a visionary and say, "Hmm, I don't want to use a screw there. I think I'll use a nail. Yeah. That's not how that works. Management styles were set up in all of the 20th century to be a dictator, basically. You do what I say. I don't care if you're happy. You have a job. You have a paycheck. Do as I say. And that became our office setup. And the problem is 
you do have to manage the tasks, but you have to lead the people. So when you think about a leader, who is a leader that you look up to in his history, a historical person, like who are they? What qualities do they have? A lot of times they're visionaries. A lot of times they're very inclusive. They're coaches, they're mentors. They're the cheerleader on the sideline, pushing you along saying you can do it. They help you get to that. Why are we doing this at the company? You get people to buy into your why, they're going to stay with you. Yeah. A manager makes sure that the budgets are being met, that the tasks are being done, that the orders are being fulfilled, that the orders that you need to come in to fulfill orders are made. And they're making sure the tasks are all handled. And it used to be for the whole 20th century or the majority of it, we were all task oriented and nobody cared if you liked your boss. Yeah. Nobody cared about any of that. You had a job, you had a paycheck, but we've evolved and we've evolved to the point that we want a leader and we want somebody that we can believe in. And the first way you're going to lose it is if you're not transparent, right? If you're not transparent and they don't know what's going on, you're going to lose your people. Yeah, it is a difference and it's a both and it used to be pretty much an either or every now and then a manager would also be a leader, but now it's a both and, and, and nobody is going to accept anything less. So what's one thing you would want a business owner to know about leading their organization? Know your personal core values mm -hmm. because they're going to come through in every aspect of your work and make sure that your employees know what those core values are and that you're living by them and this is your expectation for them. So I think core values are pretty yeah. high up there for me. Yeah, it's back to what we originally spoke about is yeah. that they are part of the culture and they feel valued in the business. I think that's super important. And so we're almost down to the end. What are some suggestions for leaders to decompress and relax? I know now I feel like I've been working like a maniac. Time to relax. So I would love to hear your advice. One thing that I learned very early in my career, and we have to find our ways to do it and be even more creative today with COVID and all this going on. But it is, I read this magazine article and it was, in order to really decompress, you need to take three full weeks off oh, because the first week is your brain starting to shut down a little bit. The second week you're getting into it. And by the end of the third week, you are, you're ready. Like you're completely refreshed, re-energized, ready to go. Yeah. People can't do that. I know. Oh, and also with three weeks, other people have to step in and do your job because it can't just sit there. So the next best is two weeks. People will step in, help do your job, but you're completely sucked into it because you're just, you, you can't quite get there. If you take a week off, you never decompress because in a week, everybody's going to say, Jennifer will be back on Monday. She'll get to you then. Yeah. And you can't really unwind. So the next best thing is to take mini vacays. How many vacations can you take in a year? Can you take a Friday off and literally shut down everything Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Yeah. Maybe it's an extra one. We have President's Day coming up. If you take Friday and Monday, you have a four-day mini vacay. 
We may not be able to physically go, get on a plane and go somewhere. We can a little bit now, but not a lot of people aren't comfortable with that. But what can you do to stay home and have it be a mini vacay? Turn off all the business stuff. What have you been wanting to binge watch on streaming? You want to exercise and get out every single day? What can you do to rejuvenate yourself with a little mini vacay this weekend? I'm, I worked all the way through the holidays. I took a few days just because it was Christmas day and I had to take the day. (laughs) But I have been working. It's hard as an entrepreneur, but you definitely have to take the time. I'm just happy to have a day just to take a day, but I love to work. So for me, it doesn't feel, but I also work out every day and I try to sleep eight hours every night. And that keeps me eating right and drinking lots of water and so that helps me to stay strong through all the craziness. Just so, <laughs> daily things. <laughs> I, I have, I run, you know, there was a, a Forbes article that went out that said it, it highlighted the top five most stressful jobs in the world or whatever. And I think it was third or fourth event planners. <laughs> so yeah, that kind of fits. It doesn't feel stressful to me because I've been doing it for 30 years, but managing it all, when you, as you grow, it get, your company gets bigger. So that's the stress of keep having enough time to do everything. It's just, seems like, so I'm getting more strategic about my time and where, what I'm doing in my time, which I think is really important for a lot of entrepreneurs is to really block out the time and be use that time and don't keep running after that squirrel. So every time something happens, you're answering the phone or you're looking at your emails or you just stay um, focused on what you need to accomplish. And I'm sure there's a, there's a lot of things. So I'm getting trying to really learn to do that. Absolutely. It's so important to shut it all down and focus. I've often heard 45 minute time blocks, Yeah, shut everything off and do what you need to do for 45 minutes. It's amazing how much you can get done when there's not a shiny object or a squirrel running by. I'm the worst. I'm the worst. It's really bad. I hear my ding, ding. So I put all my notifications <laughs> off and I'm one of those. So I just love talking to you. Thank you so much for joining. I want you to um, tell me what, so I, th- I think you have a program right now going on. So why don't you tell everybody about your program? I do. I've just launched a new program, Leadership Growth Accelerator. It's a six-month coaching program where we get together once a week, virtually, obviously, and I share training materials and we do Q&As and to help you really, I call it a faster to the top pass. I love faster to the fun pass on carnival cruises. Right. I love a faster to the front of the line pass for Disney. And so it's your faster to the fun pass, faster to the top pass, so that you really can embrace the leadership skills and management skills that you need to do well and be a great leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's- you also have a podcast. Tell us about your podcast. I do. So excited. Just before we started, I went on and looked and I surpassed 10,000 downloads. That's all just naturally organically. So that's like huge. And it's called New Manager Media. Manage right from the start. It's on all the podcast platforms. That's really awesome. So I want it before my computer dies, which I just noticed I have a low battery. (laughs) (laughs) Technical things. Like my technical things. I had a full battery. You have a thing on your website, the 10 tips uh, to address stress, right? So they can find you. What is your website? It's takagiconsulting.com. Okay. And then you also are on all social media platforms, Takagi 
Yes, I'm either Takagi Consulting or Jennifer Takagi. Some people take my name sometimes, so my consistency is not quite there, but yeah. Okay, great. Thank you so much. I'm so excited that you joined us. Great information. And I thank everyone for joining. I also just want to remind you, go to the eventplanningblueprint.com if you want to start an event planning or wedding planning business and you have no idea where to start or you're struggling in your business right now, would love to have you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Jennifer. We'll see you guys next week. Take care.